Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. podcasting. I feel a little bit full circle in this episode today and I will tell you why and I haven't even like fully said this to our guest today but today's guest is Alexandra. I know right? (laughs) (laughs) And um, for me why this feels super fun and special is that before I started coach training and like really dove into the world of who am I? Am I a coach? What does coaching mean? How do I want to serve? How do I want to show up? What do I want to leave? Like what kind of legacy do I want to leave with my voice? I found and started following you. I think it was like 2018. So almost four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think you reached out in 2018. I remember where I was. (laughs) I had never hired a coach. The fact that you would pay someone to help you with all this stuff was like (laughs) mind blowing to me. But I was like, what? (laughs) Someday, if I ever hire a coach, she will be my coach. And I just like soaked in so much of your content and your words and your goodness and your wisdom. And I kind of always held that vision of like, I just love what she's doing in the world. And then we're in, we ended up in this marketing um, program, which I actually, you wouldn't believe how many times I've mentioned joyful marketing on a abortion (laughs) podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But when I saw your name in there, I was like, wow, this is just like such a fun, like four years later, the worlds are connecting and circling and yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited that you invited me. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, what I feel like we're meant to talk about is this, these ideas of being seen and loving yourself and creating that like mind body connection and somewhere along the lines, you wrote the words radical exposure. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Mm, okay, there's something juicy in there for my audience. So I feel like that's kind of the direction we'll head, but why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, whatever way feels good for today, for this podcast, for the conversation. Perfect. Well, hi everyone. It's so good to be here. Um, My name is Alexandra. A lot of people call me Alex and the work I do summed up is that I help Um, generally entrepreneurs, coaches, leaders, but uh, not so generally humans um, to show up powerfully by feeling safe to be seen and exploring those edges. Mm. And this looks a lot of different ways for a lot of different people based on lived experience, um, trauma, um, you know, belief systems, et cetera, et cetera. And it has been the Everest of my life um, and thus it's, it's also the work of my life. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do a little bit. Mm. 
What do you mean when you say it's been the Everest of my life? I mean that it almost feels like there's something in me that has probably for as long as I can remember and certainly like in very pivotal moments of my life and very um, robust experiences of my life, there's something that both deeply longs to be seen, but also deeply Mm. fears it. And so there's this like tension point that I almost feel like I carry as like a ghost in my bones. Mm. Um, And it, it lives with me. It's there with me. It it exists with me. I no longer try to get rid of it. I tried that for many, many years. (laughs) Um, It didn't work. Spoiler alert. Um, And it is almost its own entity. Um, Mm. And, uh, and it's, it's a, a, you know, a partner in crime of mine. And Mm. so it, it's feels still like my Everest and also like my purpose all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So it can feel like a gift and a curse. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Mm. So good. So good. Ghost in my bones. Those are some good words. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for those words. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think that what happens for many of us in the abortion experience is that it is very raw, very vulnerable, very like it just exposes us to ourselves in a Mm -hmm. way that we have not been exposed to ourselves. So I think a a huge amount of the grief we experience, the confusion we experience, the shame we experience comes from an identity shift. Like, Like, I've never seen myself this way. And now I've been exposed to myself in this way. And there's just lots of bigness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. What you're, what I'm hearing you speak to that resonates in my work and my audience is this like combo of the longing to be seen and the fear of being seen like Mm -hmm. so deeply, like Mm -hmm. it just shows up in such a really powerful way Mm -hmm. with this community of listeners. Yeah. And so I guess knowing that there are listeners out there who are just finding a place that you've been doing work around for a long time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where do we start? Like, what do we do when we have suddenly been exposed to ourselves in this new way? You run. No, you don't. Um, you stay. <laughs> For <I'm> real. <laughs> you use a coping mechanism. No, um, you don't do that. You, um, that's a great question. One of the primary principles that I believe is that um, the way to start feeling safe to be seen is to radically see yourself, yeah. um, to no longer hide from yourself. This can take people years if they've been hiding for a really long time. Sometimes some, an event like uh, abortion in the case of the listeners or any yeah. other kind of event can actually crack open um, not only, it's kind of like grief, right? Like when something happens, the grief of it touches all grief, right? 
yeah. I've found in my experience and a lot of the times the experiences with my clients is that a lot of the times when we are exposed to ourselves, it can often like create this domino effect of like bringing to the surface all the places we've hidden, right? Or all the sensations mm-hmm. of exposure. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. interwoven, right? Yeah. And so what do we do? We, we practice staying because hiding is a form of running mm-hmm. or leaving mm-hmm. or abandoning ourselves or abandoning whatever it is. And so we practice the very like simple notion, difficult execution of staying, of staying in the room with ourselves. You know, I don't know about what your patterns are in relationships, but um, I've always found for myself, like in romantic relationships, no matter how much I push, right? No matter how much I'm like dramatic and like, get out of my face. I don't want them to leave. Mm. And I believe it's the same with us and us, Mm -hmm. right? Like I want them to stay. Are you going to stay in the room? Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to um, radical exposure, I believe one of the first things that we have to begin to practice is how do we stay? How do we practice staying? How do, what does staying with ourselves mean? How do we want to stay? What does it look like if we stay? Um, and building, building a foundation of that before we kind of like lean into all the rest. What about why stay? Why? Yeah. Like why? Do you want me to answer that? Yeah, I want you to answer <laughs> yeah. that. Like, <laughs> okay, why cool. stay? I mean, because it's so, it feels so much easier and yummier to run, to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, like why would I, and, then, and that's the thing about abortion is like, I think so many of us, and this was the case for me, is like, okay, this sucked. This is a dark time in my life. Like, why would I go deeper into it rather than further away? Like, yeah, why? Like, I love these words, practice staying, but why? Like, why? <laughs> why would you do that? that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a couple of things here, right? Like, if there's no call to stay, sometimes it's okay to not, right? The, yeah. we, don't, we don't want force. We don't want staying to be a thing that you have to do or should do. There are plenty of things that, um, there are plenty of things in my life. And we can, again, look at the notion of any relationship where like, even if my heart cries out for another human being, sometimes staying is not the thing I'm ready for, or is not the thing that's good for me. So I'll say there's nuance in that there's gotta be a desire to stay right Mm -hmm. beyond the fear to know that it's, to know that it's a curiosity to lean into number one. And number two, the why in that case, and this is not the why for people who maybe find that staying isn't the right thing. Um, the why in that case for me, this is what I believe with staying with anything difficult is I, I believe it is a direct and turbulent shot right back to our humanity. And I, Mm -hmm. I believe um, that we're starved for it. And within our humanity, we find our aliveness. I think we've been conditioned to run, uh, abandon and, um, you know, squelch a lot of our humanity. And I think that 
at the core of us, we're hungry for it. We're hungry for who we are in our truth. Um, and, and I think when we go there, we develop a deep relationship with ourselves that actually affects everything else, even if it has nothing to do with the thing itself. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think that's home. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to choose not to be seen, to choose not to see yourself, to choose to, you know, push things away, mm-hmm. um, especially, and it just like feels like, I don't know, I, I stopped myself a little bit. So I was going to say, it feels like it's getting easier and easier with so much technology and so much social media. Um, but I do feel like we're, we're turning this corner where it is getting the reward of hiding is like, like more people are being called to, to show up and be who they are. Mm-hmm. So I guess I stopped myself in thought because I, I do think very slowly we're turning a corner where more and more people are willing to be seen, are willing to see themselves um, yeah. and stay Still. I would agree. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I think it's a strange dichotomy with technology too, in that like we have, I think there are a lot of sensitive beings walking around with like, even just technology itself is exposing, right? Feels mm-hmm. exposing. And there's a lot to discern when you're in any kind of technological space. There's a lot of information coming at us all the time. There's a lot of stuff like being shoved into our ears and our eyes all the time and our bodies. And it is like both freeing to see that the world is kind of pivoting into this like radical ability to be seen. And I would imagine too, for a lot of sensitives, it's also daunting and overwhelming and um yeah. and like whoa can we slow down for a second <laughs> like I'm still yeah. catching up on flip phones you know yeah yeah what do we look when we're feeling exposed by there's probably there might be two different answers here mm-hmm. um one might be when we're feeling exposed I don't know, like by choice is what I almost want to say is like, for instance, when I put my work out into the world, like I'm choosing to expose what's inside my brain, what's inside my heart, what totally comes through me. Right. So there's that piece, but then sometimes we're exposed, not as intentionally, right. The question. And so it may be different for those two different pieces is what do we want to look for when we're feeling exposed? Like, what can we draw our attention to, to learn from? To learn from in order to learn? Yeah, like, or, and it doesn't have to be like this big active, like learning, but like, what do we want to pay attention to? What do we want to notice for? So I typically notice for like, what's, what's the way in which I'm reactively engaging to this? Mm, like what's my my first point of engagement to this Mm. because that's going to tell me a lot about who I think I am and Mm. who I who I see myself as Mm -hmm. and what parts of myself I'm witnessing and um even the things that I want to shove away right even the things that 
are scary, they still come up as like, oh my God, maybe I'm a bad person or maybe this or maybe that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think one of the things that I always look for is how am I engaging with this? Mm-hmm. Like what, what's the point? Who, who am I at the point of engagement? And what is that telling me about me? What is that showing me about me? Yeah. And what can I do with that? And what do I want to do with that? And maybe that's nothing. Okay. So let's get specific for the audience. I'm trying to think of what a good example would be. Let's say someone feels like it's the right time to tell a friend their abortion story or Mm -hmm. tell their family their abortion story or comment on a, on a thread, like a political thread about abortion. Mm -hmm. So I'm ready to speak the words like I had abortions or I had an abortion. Mm -hmm. Is the point of engagement you're talking about the moment where someone responds back or is it like more the point that you've like said the words or hit send or like, like let's walk through like a specific example. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's both, right. That's the two examples you gave is like, I'm choosing. Yeah. And then, especially when it comes to the internet, our choosing also brings back non-choices Yeah, (laughs) as responses. Totally. And so in this case, I would say it would be both. Um, And so I, if I was in that experience, I would um, really look at like, why, why am I choosing to do this? How is it bringing me closer to myself? Why is it my truth? Um, also, what are the responses I'm most scared to get? And what mm-hmm. is that showing me about me? Mm-hmm. What are the reactions I'm most afraid to receive? And um, what is that illuminating in me that I believe that I assume that I'm t- areas in which I'm tender still, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, where am I on the spectrum of what I feel like I can handle in terms of all of those responses, my, my biggest fears? Yeah. Um, what parts of me need to be tended to in order to be able to handle what comes my way? And then, you know, you can do as much as you want at the time of like getting feedback. It's like, whew, like this, you know, it can hit yeah. you, it can land, it can activate, it can yeah. re- of dredge something up. And that's like another point of like, whoa, what is my defense pattern right now? Like, what is my immediate mm-hmm. defense? What is my immediate protection? What am I protecting? Right. And we might not be mm-hmm. able to answer these questions in the actual moment. We might need to come down a little bit first. Yeah. Really cool. Um, the sense of exposure itself also comes with it. We can't, uh, we can't exist in exposure without also making room for our defense mechanisms and learning those and befriending mm-hmm. those, right? Because mm-hmm. they're built Ooh. in. Befriending our defense mechanisms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know. My, okay. So my, does that look, oh, okay. Does that look like I decide to share with my mother? She gets this look on her face. She doesn't even say any words, but I see the look on her face and my defense mechanisms kick in. And then the way I friend those is to 
like, I don't know. I imagine having a conversation with them almost. It's like, it's okay. I know you're scared. You've seen that look before. You're just trying to protect yourself. Like take a deep breath. Like, is that the defense mechanism you're talking about where you're like, there's that look. And then I, I'm like, she hates me or she's, she's going to abandon me or whatever the thing. Right. Right. Yes. So that whole thing, right. If I were to have a conversation with my mother about it, I would first like really look at there's always two needs that I'm looking at to meet my practical needs and my emotional needs. And so Mm -hmm. like, I would think to myself, like, okay, practical need, where do I want to have this conversation with my mother? Do I want it to be quiet? Do I want it to be loud? Mm -hmm. Do I want it to be like Mm -hmm. alone? Do I want it to be in a crowd of people? Emotional needs. Um, am I, do I feel safe naming? Like, I'm just going to need you to listen right Mm. now. I'm going to need you to not react. Is that possible? Right. So I try to kind of know ahead of time, cool. If that reaction activates me, is that something I can ask for? Like, can I ask Mm. for that need to be met? Can I ask that? Like, I'm about to share something with you. That's difficult to share. Yeah. If possible, if at all possible, my requests and my preference is that like, it's really tender for me. My request yeah. and my um, preference is that you don't react. Mm. I, I would feel really lovely if you ask questions. I'm open to that. I would feel really safe if you yeah. um, even sit in silence with me. Um, but I know I'm really sensitive to like certain reactions. And so if, if you're open to that, and if they're not, cause like, you know, it's communication and other human beings, if they're like, well, they still do it. Um, in that moment. Yeah. You, you're some people's defense mechanisms look like shutting down. Yeah. Some people's defense mechanisms mm-hmm. look like wanting to reach across and strangle somebody. Right. Totally. Some people's defense mechanisms more like fight and fierce and some are more flee and run and get, yeah. get out of there. And some are more, um, freeze shut down. Right. Some are more fawn, like, Oh, right. Um, in that case, the way that I would look at my defense mechanism is depending on how practiced I am, Mm -hmm. um, I would probably also have a conversation in the moment or even just name what's happening. I think even just naming what's happening can be really powerful because sometimes when we're actually in that state can feel really overwhelming to do our own work can feel really overwhelming to be like, Hey, I know, I know your shrugs here. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the times when in doubt, I just name what is happening. So like, boom, I feel something in my stomach. I feel like anger. My, my personal defense mechanism is anger. Um, I feel anger. I would try my best to practice elongating that pause and naming like, okay, like she just looked at me in a way that made me want to protect. Yeah. I will, I hear you. I'll come back. I'll come back to you. I think the naming is such a great way to elongate this, like to, Mm -hmm. to to use that, to take that space and be like, okay, I just got, I saw the look, I got hot. I felt, I felt buzzed. I like whatever the thing is. Um, because it's just such a great activity to do instead of just not talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to take a breath and not talk. Like who, who's capable of doing that in the moment? Right. Not so much harder. <laughs> yeah. but the practice of just, okay, 
I saw the look. I'm going to notice what's happening in my body. I'm just yeah. going to notice it. I'm just going to name it. What a great well, Context thing. feels safe to a lot of us, right? And yeah. when we give ourselves context, we can actually take a lot of the activation, shame, bewilderment out of our own processes because mm-hmm. we're creating context. We're becoming that container that's safe. Mm. And so a lot of the times when we get caught in it, it, we do, we get like, we like lose ourselves and then we're in this tornado and then we're like, what's wrong with me? I can't get out, you know, and it's overwhelming. And there's nothing wrong with that either, right? If that happens, my recommendation is always like, when you come down, go back and like, just pick up the pieces of what you noticed about yourself. Like, oh, I flew off the handle. Cool. I must've been really, really tender. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now I know, right? And then mm-hmm. next time I'll use it. Um, but yeah, the more we can elongate that moment of like, and name what's happening. Ooh, I'm getting real activated right now. Mom just looked at me. I want to, I want to like, I want to yell at her so bad right now, but just like, mm-hmm. I'm protecting myself. I'll look at this later. What do I need in this moment? What do I need in this moment? Yes. Such a good question. Yeah. yeah. Such yeah. a good question. Cause we're so geared towards like, how do I keep things copacetic rather than I got to meet my needs. And yes, there are like areas of life where there's a lot of compromise, right? We're all in relationships with other individuals, but when it's something that is so like heavy as an experience. It's my belief that like in that particular case, right. This person sharing to their mother, right. Yeah. About abortion or yeah. something. It's my belief that like these needs are above all else. The needs of the person sharing are above all else. Mm-hmm. And like, if you can ask yourself, what do I need in this moment? It may be like, I need to mm-hmm. actually go take a walk. I need to yeah. like, I need to yeah. remove myself. I'm feeling a little activated. Like I don't, I'm not open to this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to circle back. Um, yeah. Those needs are really, really important to take care of. Yep. I, I'm, I'm remembering my mother's actually really just, I feel super blessed and lucky and she's really supportive. And I was oh. nearly positive, positive that she'd be hundred percent supportive when I told her, yeah. but as we're talking, I'm remembering, I did have a lot of fear. Um, I'm remembering walking. I was on the phone with her and I remember walking up and down the sidewalk. And I think like, I didn't do that on purpose, but in reflection, like keeping my body Mm -hmm. moving was so Mm -hmm. helpful as I was saying those words, like Mm -hmm. having that activity in my body to like move what was coming through my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did not do that intentionally, but I think now that I reflect back on it, it was probably a really smart thing to do. Absolutely. Which is cool that I don't usually walk on the sidewalk when I'm talking on the phone. So like, it's cool that our bodies know to tell us to do weird stuff like that. Like, Hey, you're going to tell your mom you're having an abortion. You should walk on the sidewalk. Like (laughs) they're so smart. Yeah, they are so smart. That's super cool. And even checking in, like, like to add to that, that's, it's brilliant. Even checking in, right. Once you get that awareness, even checking in, like, okay, my body's going to have needs too. We're often divorced from our bodies. Yeah. And so we think about like our emotional needs and our practical needs and our mental needs and our da, 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 and the stories yeah. we're making, but also 
sometimes it's like, I can't sit in this place anymore. I have to go. I have to walk, right. I have to move. I have to, whatever it is. And when we can incorporate the needs of our bodies, um, we create like a little, the way I see it is we create like a little symphony of like meeting ourselves where we're at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other, the other, um, place I've noticed as a parent and I've heard other parents say this that um teenagers really open up in the car when you're Mm -hmm. driving and I think Mm -hmm. part of it is like I don't have to look at them like I can (laughs) sit next to them and nobody's going anywhere but I don't have to look and so that could be another way to be to tell someone your story is to just like what do I want this to look like? Like maybe we're both walking, maybe Absolutely. we are in a car, maybe we're only on the phone. And I, but like, so interesting to, yeah. Like what level of exposure can I handle? Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. handle face-to-face eye contact yeah. with like my, you know, the, the, my family of origin. Yeah. Maybe I am. Oh, maybe I need a separation, a phone, a walk. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do want in person, but not, not looking at each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It gives yeah. you, it starts to give you like a feel for like what's a level of exposure that's next level, but not like all the way level. Yes. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, okay, this is like playing with exposure. Yes, it, is, it, is. <laughs> it actually reminds me when I started this work, I, um, I was like getting ready for Christmas dinner or something. I don't know. And this like, basically a piece of writing kind of like downloaded into my brain and I got it out into the computer. And then I sent it to mothering magazine about a piece about abortion. And that was like, I remember that being like a test of exposure. Mm. Like I'm going to, can, can I really do this work? I'm going to like play with what it feels like to say these things in this article and feel the response. And like, now that I think about it, not that are many of our listeners will do the work I'm doing around abortion, but I did a lot of playing with exposure yeah. in the beginning, like a ton of it. I still do it. Yeah. It's just yeah. like testing the waters and then like sitting back and taking a deep breath and like saying the thing and sitting back and taking a deep breath Yeah, and choosing to love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if love is difficult, choosing to like, hear yourself, see yourself, respect yourself, listen to yourself, yeah, uh, you know, seek to understand yourself, all the things that are aspects of love and the, the, any one of them that you can reach. Love that. There are so many aspects of love. Yes. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, yeah, you have a program called Emerge, right? Imagine yeah. like Emerge feels like a very like like playing with exposure. Like yes. Emerge and I'm gonna yeah. sink back in and then you know, like put my neck out a little bit further and then I'm or whatever it is. Um yeah. I love that word too. Like, um is there anything else you wanna say about about this term radical exposure that I brought up at the beginning or this idea of emerge or like anything that you feel like needs to be said next or in closing. Yeah. I've been playing with an idea actually that I'll share um, that can also be a helpful way to like navigate 
and I've been playing with this idea um, for my clients and emerge and for radical exposure. And it's, yeah. it's something that I call the map of aliveness. And it mm. is that the, I believe that we hold the like X marks the spot for the places that, um, you know, we want to be seen and emerge from that also is coupled with our defense mechanisms and our protection. Mm. And I think when we can start to pinpoint those spots, right, it's like where we like kind of want to do something. And then in response to that, we like all of a sudden are watching Netflix or we're procrastinating or we're like, or we're like judging everyone or we're angry or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? We got, when we can actually start to, it can be a little daunting to know like, oh, I want to expose more of myself. Where do I begin? Right? Like it's, yeah. it can be so daunting. Yeah. And so I'm playing with this notion of like the map of aliveness, which is you already have the little intersections that show you where your edges often are. Mm -hmm. And it's where your desire meets your defense. Mm -hmm. And when we can start to recognize those spots, Mm -hmm. we can start to um, look at those spots. We can actually build our own map for emerging, for coming for coming mm. alive again, for exploring our new uh, new aspects of ourselves, new identities that that want to emerge. Mm. Um, because what happens at that sweet spot where the where the X aligns, like that's the point of what. So the the des- when we have desire. Yep, desire meets right? defense. Desire meets defense is usually the places we hide. And why is that sweet spot? What is that good for? It's good for noticing what the edges, what edges are most accessible to lean into. Mm -hmm. To access more of your aliveness, more of where you want to go. Yeah. I was just going to, I was just thinking like, it's the place where you step into your fullness, your next. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it also gives you the idea of like where sometimes we think we're supposed to share certain things, but if you start to like play with your map, you notice like, I don't actually have a desire to, I feel defense. Yes. Right. I feel that protection, but it's not meeting desire either. Yes. So good. And so maybe that's not something that this season holds for me. Yes. So it's not defense meets should. (laughs) Right. It's It's defense defense meets meets desire. desire. And this is so important. I'm glad you went here because this is really important for a lot of my audience is like, they feel like they should share their stories or they feel like they should process their abortions or they feel like should. And it's not that it's, it's, that is not the point. <laughs> no, that is not the point. We don't want to force, we don't want to force any part of you to emerge so, because force doesn't yes, work. Yes. And the defense is there to show us that there's something to learn there's something to explore and the desire, like something tender, something yeah. scared, some part of us that's like not been matured or brought mm-hmm. into integration or has been cast out, right? The defense kind of shows us, oh, this thing that I desire doesn't feel safe. How can I make it safe? Yeah, yeah. But then there's so much beauty in that 
meets desire versus just like desire meets desire. (laughs) Like that's lovely. It's like joy meets joy and like, yay, unicorns and rainbows and sparkles. But like, are you really stepping into your fullness? It's there. No, it's like this point where all those things you just said. Yeah. Well, when desire meets, when desire is just desire itself, it can be hard to discern, right? Like I could just desire to lay on the couch and watch Netflix all day. Yeah. Right. Sometimes that meets my defense of like, I should be, I should be, I should be working. I should do it. Right. That, that is an edge to lean into. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing to go do. If it's just like, I want to watch, I want to watch Netflix all day to avoid these edges of desire and offense the map of aliveness, that's different, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of found that where they pinpoint is um, is the sweet spot. And I'm also, this is the first time I'm exploring it verbally. So we, we have lots having, of unfinished fun. Yeah, yeah. we're having fun <laughs> creating it as we go. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is all about like un, unfinished conversations as in like, they're just always evolving. So yes. we start things, we, we deepen things, but we don't always come to clarity or, or like an end point. Yeah. Um, so good and so interesting. And I would imagine you'll just keep sharing more and more of this. Um, if someone is just super curious about what you're doing and wants to keep learning more, where do you like people to follow these days? The best place is Facebook or mm-hmm. Instagram. I have a very unique last name. There's not going to be a lot of Alexander Cabucci's. So <laughs> type my name in, you'll find me <laughs> and I will welcome you in with open arms. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Until next week. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.